HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, sharing nothing but the best in whole grain nutrition and committed to their mission of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 10th, 2017. This is the 140th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding, award-winning chef and restaurateur who has a fascinating new memoir, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to fake it until you make it. Believe in yourself and act as if you belong. If you don't feel confident, pretend until you gain the experience or tools you need for it to be real. Even if you don't know how to do something today, you can learn how to do it for tomorrow in the future. Nothing is impossible. Work hard and with hard work and determination, you can figure things out and make your dreams come true. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very honored and excited to have my guest here in the studio with me. It is Barbara Lynch. She is a world-renowned chef and restaurateur from South Boston who has a new memoir, Out of Line, A Life of Playing with Fire. Barbara is the founder and CEO of Barbara Lynch Grupo, which includes restaurants Number 9 Park, Menton, B&G Oysters, Drink, and Sportello. She has received numerous accolades, including James Beard Foundation's Best Chef Northeast in 2003 and Outstanding Restaurateur in 2014. And she was most recently named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. 
which is pretty damn cool. So welcome. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm I'm in awe of your whole career and new book, which I I read the entire thing this week and I couldn't put it down. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) I'm I'm in awe of your office here. I love this office. Thank you. I did not do the decor, but I I pretty much I like it a lot myself. No, it's so fun here. It is a lot of fun. So. I like to start out my show and talk with people about their backgrounds and, and how they got into the industry. And from reading your book, I, I, I have some, some insight into that. But I'd like to you know, start a bit in your own words of, of what it was like growing up in South Boston and how you found your way into kitchens and cooking. Um, well, I grew up you know, really in a, a humble household. As they say, um, my mom, my mother was widowed. Um, she had six children, and then she remarried, and we have seven, she had seven. Um, so I was the last of the Lynches, and at that, and she was pretty busy. So she worked like three or four jobs, and um, which means I were I, I barely had discipline, um, meaning she didn't check my homework and all of that jazz. So. Um, I really didn't like school, and I was, um, you know, when I was growing up, I was in, during high school, it was the height of forced busing in Boston. It was in the early 70s, and so my high school was a war zone, and um, which brought me to uh, Madison Park High in, in Roxbury, and I had a really wonderful home ec uh, teacher who uh, saw some talent in me that I, I didn't know I had. Although I did feel really comfortable uh, cooking, it felt natural for me actually. Yeah. So, so there, so there <clears throat> you found, because because you were, um, I had read with you were a high school dropout, but you stayed with home ec. That was a part of yeah, the she, high school program, and you stayed with it. Yeah, usually you're okay. only supposed to take it for one year, and she convinced my guidance counselor. That uh, if I if I weren't uh, able to take this class for four years, then I wouldn't even stay in school. So um, she convinced Mr. Gelati that I need to stay in cooking for four years, which was great. And so, I mean, you know, honestly, she was like the calmest person in that school during a very chaotic time. Yeah. And no, that's. Great. No, that's it's great you found that. And then, how did you make your way? When what was when the first jobs in a kitchen? Um, well, I was working um, at the Harvest. That's like my real first professional kitchen job, en garmanger. Um And I was there for about four months, maybe three months. And then I met somebody who worked for Todd English. Um, and Todd was the chef at Michaela's in Cambridge at the time. Um, and it was like after work one night, we met at a party, and he said, oh, we were talking food, and he said, you'd be great at Michaela's, um, and we have an opening. Um, would you ever come over for an interview? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, call me. And they called a couple of times, and uh, I, I was just, you know, I guess I didn't call them back. It was way before cell phones. Right. Um, and then one day I called, uh, it was Todd English who called, and I, by accident, answered the phone, and he said, hey, uh, I heard about you. You're going to come and interview. And I said, uh, okay, yeah, sure, I'll come over. It took me two and a half hours to find it in Cambridge. And, you know, it's located in this really, it was like a dead zone over there, desolate area of Cambridge, one Cambridge Street. 
Um, so I was two and a half hours late for my interview, and finally this tall guy, six foot four, black hair comes, <laughs> and he's like, Barbara? And I said, yes, Todd. Um, and I looked at him, and I said, who the fuck would put a restaurant in this place? And he's like, oh, I guess you're sassy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, then he hired me. <laughs> and I never and- do this. I never... Qu- quit a job without giving it, you know, a year or my notice, like a two-week notice or a month notice, but um, that's the only time I've ever done it, and I just quit. I didn't show up for work, and I regret it. But, um, you know, he he's uh, convincing enough to get me to show up the next day and work. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this is when I was reading the book, and I'm the stuff about Todd and names. When names start to come up, people I know, I you know, I, I can, I can, you know, having known him, visualize, and um, I did not know him back then. But you stayed with Todd for for Eight a years. while. Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understatement. Okay. Right. No, I know. Yeah. He's the only um, chef I worked for, actually. So. Yeah, and then you you went to Italy, and there was. With Sarah Jenkins, you... She worked on Garmerge next to me and at, at, at Michaela's. Okay. So she uh, dropped out of RISD. She was a photograph. She was a photography major and ended up leaving because she wanted to cook. And her mom's a pretty famous uh, cookbook author herself, mostly on right. Tuscan cuisine in Puglia. And her dad, who, which I didn't know at the time, was a um, Pulitzer Prize winner for uh, politics. And do you know he, he's like the... Head guy at NPR, international. No, I didn't. I know Sarah. <clears throat> I know yeah. her Perchetta. Uh huh. Um, but no, I knew and I knew about her mom. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Nancy Harmon Jenkins was like actually she was a contributing food writer for the New York Times. Oh wow! But I couldn't work half the time. I was laughing so hard at Sarah when I mean, we had a great time In on Italy. the line. Oh no, at, at work. Okay. Yeah, and then she invited me to Italy, and of course I was like, oh sure, yeah, I'll go. Not not even, I was so clueless. I just, you know, I never left Southie, so I just thought everything was going to be in English. And when I got to Italy, I thought everything would, I'd be able to deal. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even find Cambridge. So what the <laughs> hell was I thinking, right? <laughs> but you did, but the, I think the whole thing with your whole story and your whole career is like, you, you figure <laughs> things out as your mantra as right. uh, your, and, and so you figured out. How to find Sarah in yeah, Italy? By and, luck, thank God. And um, it's and it was inspiring. I because you then. I mean, yeah. it is was, that uh, where you found a love, particularly for Italian cuisine? Yeah, what I found was um, well, I actually did read the Foods of Italy by Waverly Root like about twenty times. So back and forth to Cambridge on the we call it the tea and you guys call it the subway but it's about a half an hour ride and when I finally got on the train uh, and from Milan to um, Tuscany um, everything started to make sense so you're riding through the Po Valley and you're oh my god we're in Palma Palma Prosciutto you're in Bologna oh wow Tortellini and Brodo you know it clicked mm-hmm. and, um, and, it, and then I was just hooked and I was fascinated with the uh, culture of Italy in the culture of loving food and what your mother's making in the kitchen um, and that mothers really cared for their kids and what they're eating and it wasn't chaotic um, at home and they were, they were gar- you know they're they're in the garden and they're raising rabbits and 
making gnocchi, and it just seemed really happy. So I liked it. Yeah, I did a semester in Florence when I was in college, mm. and I still, I just, when people talk about Italy, I, I light up myself. Yeah. There's something just magical about it. And I imagine a kid coming home. Like, well, I wasn't a kid. I was 22, 23. But imagine when I came home from that trip, I was like, holy fuck. I, I felt like I like went up to Mars and came back. I just felt this sense of accomplishment, like, oh, wow, look at what I just did. And that's just that's just um, hunger for more, another challenge. Bring it on, you know. And that's how I live my life, I think. Yeah. So, so then, so <clears throat> did you? I mean, did you? When did you get the desire to open your own place? And did you? I mean, did you see that coming? Was it something after? Oh no, Italy um, or no? No, I think. Um, so after I worked for Todd um, at Olives, I actually. We came up with that figs concept for him, pizza. So it was like pizza pasta. He loves Neapolitan pizza, and I love making pizza. And so figs came to life, and mm-hmm. he moved olives down to 10 City Square. And, um, you know, after two years of figs, I well, I had that wonderful opportunity of becoming an executive chef and really, from beginning to end, opened a restaurant. Like, right. From the equipment to hiring staff. Etc. Now I was bored and I wanted more. I wanted appetizer, entree, uh, to dessert, and um, the whole experience. So uh, after eight years, I, I gave him my notice and he wasn't too happy. And uh, and then I left. And um, and then I went to Rocco's and that was a pretty short two years. Um, then Gallery Italiana, where I started to get all my um, accolades, um, and I won the Food and Wine Award. Right, you got Best New Chef, it was 1996, Food and Wine. Yeah, now you're really showing my age, right? No, but I mean... I'm, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, this, well, this this Food and Wine Best New Chef list today and since all these years, I mean, it's it's it, it says a lot, mm. and, it's, and people look for that list every year, and it's very hard to be one of those ten chefs, so... Mm-hmm. That's a funny story in the book. When I get off the plane and, you know, this again, there's no cell phone. I don't even have a camera. And it's like when the drivers are there and they're like, Julia Child, Patricia Wells, Marcella Hazan, and then there's Barbara Lynch. I'm like, oh, my God, I made it, you know. Um, So anyway, after the awards and all of that, I come back and uh, I, I felt ready. And there really, at that time, wasn't a chef I wanted to work for in Boston. And, um... And you weren't re- you weren't going to leave Boston. You haven't left Boston. No, I haven't left Boston. I, I there's no really need for me to leave Boston. I I I have I still have my friends there, mm-hmm. um, and also I don't really feel comfortable going to somebody else's city to be a chef. I feel like there's a, you know we owe it to our community to sort of be part of our community in in our world in my world anyway, my chef world. Um, and there was a lot of things that were missing in Boston that I felt we needed, or at least I needed, oysters and good wine and, you know, a butcher shop that I yeah. feel like I didn't have to go to the North End to go get, right. you know, cuts of meat. So your first place was number nine. Yeah, 20 years ago. Now. It's, it's That's incredible. It's still going strong, which is amazing. 
I'm I'm planning a Boston trip coming up because I haven't been in a while and I have to go to all of your places because I feel I've just been reading about. You need a weekend, and I'll take you. I'll take you around. I'm. I will let you know when I'm coming. Even into. But you have to take you to the Shamrock. You know, I got to take you. My I want to go to the dives. I I would I would like to go to a baseball game. (laughs) I'll skip that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'd like I'd like to. I mean, I've I've. Last I drove through on the way to Maine, but it wasn't enough time. We can hang with the Celtics players if you want. Okay, but, mm, I, I will. Yeah. Okay, we can do that. I, I'll take. I may. Take I don't go to the this. game. I hang with them after, but <laughs> I don't like crowds. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear you, but I'm not surprised you're friends with with them. Or yeah, they like to you eat. hang. They like to eat a lot. Yeah. 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 They're good. They're fun. Cool. I'm not fans with the Sox players, but Tom Brady's good guy too we can hang with them whatever I, when right. you come you let me know i'll let you know mm. tom brady went to university of michigan my and i'm alum so i feel a little connection there There you go all right all right <laughs> and on on this sports note we're gonna take a little break and then come back and talk more with barbara so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network Bob's Red Mill is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network and a big supporter of organic farmers. Ray and Tom Williams are two farmers who have worked with Bob for years and co-own an organic farm in eastern Oregon and Washington. Ray shares what their relationship with Bob's Red Mill means to them. We thought that for over the long term, we thought it would make sense, better sense for the soil. Also, we thought that... uh, It was something that would improve the quality of the food supply. We're lucky in that we're working with Bob's Red Mill. We're part of a um, regional food network. Uh, With Bob is a fundamental uh, relationship and cornerstone to that. We also work with other best-of-class people in the Northwest, and we're thankful for the long-term relationship that's brought good things to the soil and good things to our long-term farm economic plans. We appreciate his attitude toward absolutely high standard for the benefit of his customers. We take pride in meeting those standards. Learn more about Bob's Red Mill and their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Barbara Lynch, who is regarded as one of Boston's and the country's leading chefs and restaurateurs. And she has a new memoir out called Out of Line, A Life of Playing with Fire. So, Barbara, you have what is, under, under um, Barbara Lynch Grupo six restaurants now? Um, now eight. Eight. Seven of mine and... I don't have partners, but I just signed up to work with... Uh, I, I opened a restaurant with Mario Batali at Italy in Boston. Oh, awesome. Oh, Pesce. So how do you, how do you manage all, all... Like, what's a day in the life besides coming out to, to Bushwick? <laughs> like, you know, like, how do you manage all, all of your... Oh, you know, I all just of your places? go get my nails done and get <laughs> massages. No, I don't. I don't know when the last time I... Got a pedicure, but I should get one. It's, it's get, summer. Summer's coming. It's means a good I get time. My boots away, right? Um, 
I have a wonderful uh, group culture that we we you know I'm 20 years in now so I've learned some lessons along the way but I do have a wonderful team and a, a great culture that we've made um, but the team is great and um, you know we grow within and um, if you expand I'm saying if you grow it's it actually becomes a little easier a lot easier actually when I was growing I said how big do I have to get to get to the HR department um, because as a chef and growing I would always worry about oh god did I give them enough vacation time or you know can we give them insurance and you know when a company's small it's really hard to get a good rate for dental or insurance et cetera, et cetera. so that was partly the way to, to get that and to get there is to grow the hard part about growing is that you have to learn to delegate. And then the hardest part was to switch your, um, what you do, your job. So the hardest part was to step out of the kitchen and become the businesswoman. And, you know, I'm not completely out of the kitchen yet. Um, I'm in it. I'm in the water and all of that. And I still design the menus and I still mentor my chefs within. They work with me. Um, but then you delegate. And you have to, you know, and you have to stick to those channels. And communication is key. And um, so, in a way, if I'm the CEO of the company, then I make decisions on where we're going to go next. And there could be a lot of balls in the air. And once they start to fall down, and if everything is in line and they make sense, then yeah, we go for it. So, and then everyone gets excited, and then off we go again. And then it starts to fall into place. But I won't move, or I won't make a move until we are really running great in the Grupo with all the existing restaurants. It sounds, it sounds just smart and, and makes, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like I've heard some other restaurateurs who have grown that they, they, they find there's a time they also need to open another restaurant because they don't want to lose their team and they feel like, you know, you open a new place, you give someone that, that position to be executive chef, you kind of keep people under your umbrella. Yeah. Um, that I used to think that way too, but I also feel like um, when dead leaves fall off a tree and new one comes, you know, you can't, you cannot um, create anybody else's destiny, but you can look at who you have when you're about to burst and grow, it's like you can look at what you have and say, oh, God, that this person is perfect for this next job. I'm pretty lucky that we have staff who have left and um, weren't happy when they left and they come back. That's, yeah, um, that's something. And now we're at the point, like, if they do come back, uh, like, I can start my own company now without investors, and then I can invest in them when they, when they want to go, when they want to start their own restaurants. Right. And that's good. This is the next generation. I mean, I'm 53. I really don't want another restaurant. I don't want another brick and mortar, but I do want to grow. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems also, well, your restaurant concepts, I was thinking, like you covering a lot, like between having oysters, between having a drink and a, a, which I also saw one, uh, Tales of the Cocktail Oh Best God. bar? No shit. I just saw that text last night. We just, we're up for like, best bar in the world. Best 
I don't know. She got it. Yeah. You know, you've had so many accolades. I could, I mean, I couldn't name them all, but it just, you have, and, and, and Menton is a little more. Monton. Okay. Let's practice this one. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. No, Monton with an M. Monton. Monton with an M. So it's Monton. Yeah. Monton. Monton. Okay. Mm -hmm. Monton. Yeah. That's all. It's easy. Like my investors were like, you can't name it Monton. No one's going to be able to pronounce it. I'm like. Oh my God! You could put an abompon in America. I couldn't even say it when it came, so uh, we got it. Now that I know it rhymes with wonton, <laughs> I will never mess it up again. <laughs> it is all good. <laughs> Believe um, me, when I opened number nine, do you think I know how to spell like French words? You know, I, I'm still having a problem with foie gras. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Let me let me ask you the question I had from my last guest. I had on episode 139, Keith Krieger, and he's a porcelain wares designer for restaurants and chefs. He's based in Austin, Austin Texas. He does beautiful work. So he he wants to know, as you've grown as a chef, how important has learning how to mentor your team become, and what suggestions do you have for the other people who are growing a team and relying on others to help them grow their vision? Because you've, I mean, you, you're you an amazing mentor. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, make sure they have a vision, first of all. Um, ask them what their vision is. What's their goal? When, f- when they're interviewing, what's their goal? What's their five-year goal? Sometimes 10 years is too long, but I like the 10-year goal. Five years is too short. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and do you have a notebook, and where's your vision? Um and then how, how can I set you up to succeed, right? And then, because I can't teach you passion, but I can teach you everything else. Uh, but I can't teach you. And I, I'd rather you don't come from another restaurant, because it's going to take me a while to get rid of shitty management styles or, you know, kitchen styles that you've been through. Um, and then to mentor uh, is to be a great listener and to follow up. If you've given them advice, I'd like to follow up or make them follow up with you to see how they're doing. Like, I follow up with chefs who have gone and left me and went to another city and so forth. And um, and I make sure that I'm always available via email or phone. Out of my 300 employees, 380 or 400, they all have my cell phone number. To feel like if they're not being heard, because that's the biggest problem I had, not being heard was a huge trigger for me you everyone has 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 to have that opportunity to be heard and be listened to and then let's let's talk about this with you know a senior team um because there's room for everyone and you know when you hire somebody it might not be the right position for them and a lot of times people are afraid to show uh, their true humbleness and their true heart. I find this with chefs, right brain, left brain. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who dropped out of Harvard and they're really good at organizing and mechanical skills and so forth, but they suck sometimes at cooking because they're petrified to really show what comes out of their heart on a plate. And that is the hardest part of my job, to show them. Yeah. But it's it's so hard. It's it's something that's embedded in them. So really, uh, take some time, and that's mentoring. 
take some time and really uh, work with them because they're great people. Like, if they came to you in your company, there's a reason why they came to you in your company because they want to be there. <clears throat> so take the time yeah, with them. It's great advice. Mm. What with, in writing your memoir? What was what was the hardest part about that? Or, or what did it just flow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about the. Uh, you know, I didn't think about the future and the book tour and then talking about it all. This, this is the hard part. Uh, I just felt like it was just another journal. Mm-hmm. Because I have so many journals that I've kept since, uh, I, literally since I was five, six, that I felt like, and they're not, they're never finished, right? So I felt like I was just fi- finishing all the unfinished journals, and I never thought about what it would be like to be on tour, because I never really looked that far. Right. Um, but now I can tell you it's been hard uh, talking about myself this long, for two weeks, three weeks, actually five weeks now. It's tough. Yeah, well, I think you're you're doing amazing, <laughs> and I appreciate it. And I think it's a yeah, it's a part of it. But I think that now your story's out there, it's and people can read it. And I think you yeah. know, finding out more through these interviews is 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 a good thing. So I think the funny thing is that my colleagues who really think they you know they know me, um, the tough, uh, badass. <laughs> I get all these things they call me Queen Bee of Boss, the Queen Bee of like the Philly boys call me Queen Bee. Uh, Canals of Steel. Canals of Steel, <laughs> uh, badass. I don't know, you know. And I'm really a softy. I'm a like I really am a nice. I I, I could cry in commercials, you know. I'm I'm such a a mush ball, really. Do you think it's up until now, up until this book, really, that people are now seeing the real me? Yeah. Like the, I'm a mom, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's good or bad, but yes, I am. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a humble person. I am. Yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I think every. I mean, we all. I don't think you have to be one thing, but you came. I think you came across your career as tough, tough, right? And people are seeing your your well, I your softer or more human. Or I don't know, not more yeah. human, but I a different my, side. The walls I had to break down were um, extremely. Uh, thick and heavy slate and it wasn't like that cheap concrete you know yeah yeah so well awesome thanks we're gonna take another break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna play my speed round game and talk some industry news i like speed round oh i think you're gonna be good at it (laughs) so stick around this is all in the industry on heritage radio network thanks Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Honey, 
Okay, we are back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bear. My guest today is Barbara Lynch, and it is time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a few things, and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Oh, awesome. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? In. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine, baby. On ice. I saw a book cover. Right. Wine on ice. I don't know. Kind of like, I think maybe you can drink a little more. I don't know. I love wine on ice. Red and white? Rosé on ice. Rosé on ice. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm not having dinner, but if I'm having fabulous dinner, then I love a great wine pairing to go with it. But while writing a book, wine on ice. Awesome. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large. Communal. Capital L. <laughs> <laughs> Communal table or chef's counter? Uh, neither. Interesting. Okay. So I think I think someone else in the past has said that either. I'm a chef's counter person. But. I'm a bar person, but not a chef's counter. Okay. I, I think I think it was someone else who works in a kitchen that also wanted to be away from the chef's cabin. I get too stressed out. I can't watch it, yeah. if, especially yeah. if there's a screamer chef and they're opening the doors and then they're opening quart containers. I'm like, oh, my God. If, if it was <laughs> fucking Carm Kitchen and it was like a ballet, no problem. But otherwise, I'm like, yeah. oh, I got to get out of here. Okay. I, I get it. Okay. Okay. A few more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? You know, I like tipping. Yeah. Yeah, I do. We they work so hard. Yeah, I hear you. But I hope they're doing okay. I mean, I mean, I haven't had time to think about the calculations, but I hope it's good. Yeah. How about olives or figs? Wow. However you want to define them. I'm gonna say figs because I'm growing a bunch. Mary Poppins or Peter Pan? Poppins, baby. <laughs> Got to read the book to understand that joke. <laughs> Don't try it at home. <laughs> Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Boston? Come on, man. I am the two Bs, all right? Boston and Brooklyn. I'm, I'm starting to get used to it over here. Oh, starting okay. to know the subway system. Look out. Look I might out. have to come over here more. Okay. Well, I'll I'll I take you down. out then. <laughs> I get this down. <laughs> I know how to get the L train to Brooklyn. Um, this is good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. another B, Bushwick. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm gonna have to buy my pass now. That okay. Little ticket thing. Yeah. We we would love to ha- see more of you here. You guys should do the uh, books on the T, like we do books on the T. I don't know. What you that hide is. your book on the T, and people read it, and then they return it, and then oh. another person grabs the book. I don't know if they'll return it. Though. I'm, like I'm like, that would never work. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I mean, maybe. Maybe I need to be more optimistic. But um, We'll yeah. do books that were birders. Okay, that? That, that I think that, would, that work. would work. That would work. Mm-hmm. Give, okay. We'll give that a whirl. <laughs> okay, let's talk some industry news. So last week were the James Beard Awards in Chicago. Uh, there was an article on Eater about it, and I was there. I go a lot to the Beard Awards and been there for for the Chicago ones. This was their third year there. And it was lovely and a lot of uh, amazing... um, uh, It was just an amazing evening and tons of amazing people won. A few highlights. So Best New Restaurant went to Le Cuckoo. Uh, Wait, my French... My French-speaking friend said it's Le Cuckoo. Le Cuckoo. Le Cuckoo. I'm dying to go. 
I just haven't been yet. I yeah, it's it's you know, I know it's really hard to get in. Not saying I think you could get in, but lunch. I went for lunch recently. Mm-hmm. There, it's go for lunch. You can oh. get in, and it's the same amazing food and service. Yeah, I want. I'm dying. And ambiance. Great. So. Um, so yeah. Congratulations. I mean, that's yeah. great. It's great. No, yeah. I, Everyone's talking about it. Every, every chef, anyways. Yeah, no, it's it, it was a big opening here in New York, and um, yeah, congratulations to to all of the winners. I'm not. I'm planning to do a. Uh, I did some interviews. I was in the press room, and I, I interviewed people like uh, outstanding pastry chef Gaia Olvera from Danielle, who won. She, oh, yeah. And um, I also I the guys from Canlis who won wine program and so I did some interviews I'm going to do a show in a couple of weeks about this um, but I wanted to see because you are a multiple winner nominee like what's I mean what was your experience like and, and being a nominee and, and then winning the impact I mean what does yeah. this have on people's careers I mean I think it has a huge impact on the career um, I was happy not to win for the first you know like I, I kind of like uh, not winning once you're nominated mm-hmm. and you win for the first time. I mean, it's kind of like I like to be nominated a couple of years in a row and then you finally win. Right. Just because I felt like I wasn't ready to win it. Um, but I was happy when I won it. More for my team than for me. I, you know, oh, God, you know, you get to party one night and then the next day it's back to business. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's you know, it's pretty awesome to be with your colleagues and celebrating you know we're on the same page kind of thing and that's great and, and it's fabulous and then to see you know the next crew coming up and the next generation to be James Beard award winners it's it's like a yeah it's a big family it's a great family to be in and yeah you, you I feel that even just as someone a part of the industry attending and covering the event that that's why I like going right it's like um yeah I mean it's a great network it's a great honor um to be honored even you know if you don't win it's it's just an honor to be honored anyway and uh kudos to all yeah I think it's fabulous yes I agree I, I'm sure lucky yeah Thanks. No, I, I I agree fabulous mm. And another awards thing that came out this week was Food and Wine Magazine's list of their 10 best restaurants of 2017. <coughs> and this, again, well, Le Cuckoo, Le Cuckoo was on it again. Tartine Manufacturing in San Francisco. There was Royster in Chicago. The one I really wanted to point out was Waypoint in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is Michael Selfo's. Shelfo's new place. Scalfo, yeah. Scalfo. I haven't been yet. He, I was at Worlds of Flavor Conference in Napa uh-huh. a few weeks ago, and I moderated a panel on social media, and he was one of my panelists. Uh-huh. And so I met him, and so I, I haven't been, but I was I was just super excited to see him on this list. Oh, cool. Any women yeah. on the list? Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with all of these, but... Like there's a place June's all day from Austin. I don't know who's mm. who's there. Um, it's a good question. Yeah. And I just Tartine re- Manufacturing. Yeah, is, is, a hu- is husband, husband wife. wife. Yeah, um, they're awesome. So, yeah, yeah. It's I. I mean, and this you were on this list too, number nine from years ago. Yeah, yeah. For Bessemer, yeah, Cat. We've been working together for thirty-two years, Cat. Right? That's that's. In- 
impressive. Yeah, it's great. She's uh, she's amazing. Um, and I read in the paper today about the Hudson Yard um, project. That is um, huge, mm-hmm. and there are so many awesome chefs and restaurateurs going in there with Thomas Keller and Jose Andres, and they said David Chang was doing one, and yeah. 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 No women. No women. No. But that's okay. I don't think they're done, though. Two, <laughs> they have two, two more spots left. Two more left. spots left. All right. If you're listening <laughs> to the show, get two women restaurateurs in there. I think they should. I'm not I'm not yeah. stirring anything up, but just, you know, I don't know. I've just been asked that woman question. Yeah. Well, and the James Beard Awards, there were, there were, well, I don't know. Like, well, you were talking about first-time women nominee chef winner I will clear that up. Best Chef Great Lakes went to Sarah Greenenberg of Monteverde, and it was the first time she was nominated and won. And I think that was a a little bit of a surprise because usually as you you get nominated a few years in a row and then you win. Um, And then, as I said, Gaia from Danielle Pastry Chef. She's amazing. And I I love her. Oh, my God, huge congratulations to her. She's great. I've worked with her a few times on... Yeah. Certain events. She's amazing. So. Yeah. I'll have to get. I'm late on my thank you notes because there's a book tour right there coming out. You'll you'll get it done. I'll get it done. And I'm still thinking about the women thing. Women, Food and Wine's um, Best 10 New Chefs, they had had a few women on it. Good. Um, So. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. So we're going to take one more break. Come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. (laughs) And so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Awesome. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Manresa. Here's the rundown. Location, 320 Village Lance in Los Gatos, California. The concept, contemporary American seasonal cuisine. The chef and owner, David Kinch. Why did I go? Because it's been on my list for a while, and I had the perfect opportunity to go between my recent trip from Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival to Worlds of Flavor in Napa. My experience. I arrived for my 8 p.m. reservation for one and was warmly greeted and seated at an intimate two-top along the banquette with a perfect view of the dining room. Service was personable and top-notch and included meeting Chef Kinch, who came by my table and also gave me a kitchen tour. What did I get? So in lieu of complimentary bubbly, which they sent out, 
they instead made me two housemaid-infused spritzers to try. I had the blood orange and the grapefruit, and they were both colorful and very refreshing. I also had ordered some sparkling water and had the tasting menu, which was entitled The Early Spring Garden. It consisted of 14 courses, including artichoke and caviar, asparagus with spot prawn, creole abalone, spring lamb, morels and ramps, and rhubarb salted butter ice cream and puffed quinoa. My take, beautiful presentations and delightful flavors. One of my favorite courses was Into the Garden, Green and Bitter. It was served in this black and white plate that had hands on it, so you could actually imagine that they were Chef Kinch's hands in it. It just looked very cool, and then when you broke open, there was an egg, and the yellow dripping of the egg went out all over the place, and it was just, it was... um, it was a very cool presentation, and uh, I took I took a picture of this on my Instagram. If anyone wants to check out at Sherry Bayer, it's it's there. So the ambiance, modest and contemporary, with an open and spacious feel, perfect for a special dining experience. Interesting tidbit: Manresa is one of six three-star Michelin restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area. David Kinch was nominated this year for James Beard Outstanding Chef. Um, he he did not get it. It went to Michael Solomonoff, but as we said before, it is a huge honor to be nominated, and he also won Best Chef in Pacific in 2010. Personal fun fact, I met Chef Kinch at South Beach Wine and Food Festival earlier this year, and I was very enthusiastic very enthusiastically told him about my upcoming visit, so so he was expecting me. The cost. It was uh, the tasting menu is $255, and uh, I had water, so it was a little more than that. It was like $270 plus tax and gratuity. So it was not inexpensive, but it was worth it. Would I go back? Yes. If anyone needs a date, let me know. Website is manresarestaurant.com. Have you been out to Manresa, Barbara? No, but I love David. Yeah, he we, was. We were in uh, Copenhagen together. Oh, for the mad for the mad. That was he was an amazing guy. He was so so nice. Mm. Like I just enjoyed my time getting to talk mm. with him. Mm. And um, yeah, he's had an impressive. He's career. an amazing man, and his book is beautiful. Um, I'd love I to. Yeah, I'd love to go out there. Well, yeah, I have to get the book. Yeah, oh. this is like one of those beautiful food food porn books. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's time for the final question. Next week, my guest is Olivia Young. She is a former brand and communications director of Alta Morea Group, which is Michael White's group, and she's the co-founder of Pound for Pound Consulting, and she's the founder of Box and Flow, which is a new fitness studio that she's is just taken off. So, um, Barbara, can you ask a question for Olivia? She's done. I mean, this is a guest of mine who's kind of it's a little. It, she's gone. I wouldn't say backwards, but she's 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 still in the hospitality industry as a consultant. Uh-huh. But she she's now doing. She has so, a fitness. So pound place. a pound, pound for pound, so gluten free, right? Flour? No, um, no. Well, no. It's just the name of her consulting agency, and she's doing. She still works with Michael White as a consultant, and I think she's um, doing some restaurant project. What is she, uh, but what does she consult like for? I mean, what is consulting? Consulting as I think, I think she's working like with with this Hudson Yards, like the related. Uh, bring, I think she's one of the oh, people the who's helping bring in bring in restaurants and chefs uh, and uh, and 
ideas for the concept, like as an example. So she started a boxing gym? So she started a gym. It's called Box and Flow. Mm-hmm. Boxing. And yoga. And yoga. Oh, I read about her. And I've, I've taken it. Yeah. And it's, it's quite a workout. And it's a very cool combination. So cool. I, I think we're going to talk about her transition, you know, what it was like. She was with Michael White in-house for about eight years. And oh, then, I probably met her. I think I met her. I'm, probably, yeah. Probably, I used to box. So. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you, yeah. I used I, to fight, fight, like, fight. I like boxing. Mm. I mean, it's it's good for that aggression. And yoga is great too. And I like I do re- yoga regularly. Boxing here and there. You bulk up. Mm-hmm. None of my shirts would fit my arms, but yeah, um, she's in great shape. Oh, she's, she's gotta be. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd love to. My question is like, how far does she want to go with it? And and then will you design food that you can uh, design food that could. Um, be amazing to go with uh, your workout. Um, like, say, if you're going to train for a fight, which is hard, um, especially if you're a chef, because you have to eat uh, correctly mm-hmm. and lose weight um, for a fight that's upcoming. But it's really, it's really hard. That's why I had to get out of it because I can't train. I mean, it's not yeah. the workout part; it's the eating part and losing weight. No, I. Um, so will will she think about designing, um, you know, takeout meals or uh, any kind of food product like online that you can can pick up? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question because I think it's you're absolutely right when it comes to working out mm-hmm. and if you're trying to lose weight or it's not it's not just about the exercise it's about what you're putting in your body. Yeah, and, and then maybe you know workouts at home or workouts while you're traveling, um, um, like boxing workouts. On the road. Boxing on the road. Yes. You know, and I was trying to find a raw boxing gym here, a real one. That's not all men, but, like, ones with, like, old school. I know know we have them in New York. Yeah. Her her place is, is, yeah, I've taken, it works. I mean, you know, you do do the boxing and then you you go into, like, a, um, it's more of a power yoga, but, um, but, the combination is is good for the body. Yeah, I used to take Ashtanga yoga, which is very militant, no music. But you show up at um, Mysore, which is basically they realign you, and it, but it's six a.m. every day, every day. It's the same routine. Yeah, it's, it's brutal, <laughs> but it's the best shape I was ever in. That was years ago. Um, and boxing. Um, I used to go to a gym, uh, Peter Welsh gym in Southie, uh, and he did, you know, he trains like Mark, Wahl- Mark Wahlberg and all those guys. Yeah. But, it, like, the throw-up bucket is right next to the ring. <laughs> That's the kind I like. <laughs> Not so fancy. Not so fancy. Okay. Mm. Well. Good luck. People can tune in next week. We're going to talk a lot about I'm Fox gonna, and Flow. I'm going to get in touch with her. I'm so excited for well, her. Well, she's, yeah, she's she's really cool, and she's also... Um, I think she's trying to do stuff. Well, she is doing things with chefs. I know. I know Bobby Flay's been there, and I think she's also, yeah, trying to do some some classes with. She's the chef too. Is huge. All the guys in Philly, like Vetrine, all those boys are fighters. Yeah, yeah, they're great. There's a, and there's a bunch of boxers. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right, go get them. That's the show. Thank go, you. You go get them. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, you're. I, I'm so glad I've gotten to. 
to meet you. I met you the other night at Chef's Club, which, by the way, was amazing. She cooked there um, for one night. And uh, just getting to know you a little bit in person and reading your book, I'm just impressed in awe of everything you've done. Oh, thank you. So congratulations. So nice to meet you. Oh, thank you. And I look forward to what's next because I know this something something's going to come. I have separation anxiety from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome you to come back any And Roberta's time. Pizza. Any God, time. I loved it here. Thank you. So my guest today has been Barbara Lynch. She's and, a, yeah. Go ahead. And Heritage Radio. This is great. Heritage is yeah. It's awesome. We we anytime come back and see us. Thank you so much. So Barbara Lynch is a world-renowned chef and restaurateur from South Boston. She's the founder and co- and CEO of Barbara Lynch Grupo and has a new memoir out, Out of Line, A Life of Playing with Fire. You can follow her on social media at Barbara Lynch BOS and her website's barbaralynch.com. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks to my engineer, David, today. And thanks to Carrie Bachman, wonderful book publicist, who helped set this up. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. Thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. On the top of the hill you see hey.